the numbers kept on going down and I'm like, I don't want to keep investing a chunk of my change every month. So instead I said, screw investing. Investing is not for me. And also because of my Arab heritage, I thought that like a man should take care of investing, which I'm a little bit embarrassed to say out loud, but that's what I thought. And I kind of just avoided it. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Today's episode is sponsored by the Valuation Masterclass Online, the complete proven step-by-step -step online course to guide you from novice to valuation expert. Podcast listeners can claim your amazing 35% discount by going to myworstinvestmentever.com slash deals. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guests, Yasmin Kater. Yasmin, are you ready to rock? Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you on. Let me tell the audience a bit about you. Yasmin is the founder of the Sales Story Method and the host of the Sales Story Podcast. For the past five years, she's been helping senior leaders in over 75 multinational corporations, governments, and entrepreneurs use stories to stand out, attract more customers, inspire their team, and grow their businesses and careers. Armed with a degree in psychology, Yasmin is an aspiring armchair neuroscientist who loves to study how to improve sales by applying discoveries about the brain. She comes from a mixed heritage, having lived in seven countries and traveled to nearly a quarter of the world. Crafting and sharing stories has helped her sell her ideas, crowdfund, and land speaking engagements and press appearances. Yasmin, take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life. I love experimenting. So a lot of my life has just been a series of experiments and challenges. And as a result of that, that's why I've been able to do some incredible things that I didn't think was possible at the beginning of my career. All the things that I thought was possible, like all my dreams that I had in my 20s, I kind of achieved in my mid-20s. And then I realized that <laughs> you can do so much more if you just work in small challenges and constantly stretch yourself to get a little bit more uncomfortable every single day. That's great. And I was watching a video online where you were talking about having a group of friends where you were challenging each other to get more uncomfortable. And I thought, ouch, I was thinking, I get that, but man, that's hard. It, it takes something special to be willing or desirous to go into the pain of something new or away from something that you're comfortable with. Maybe you could tell us just a, a bit about that. Sure. So actually it's funny because People think it comes from like the desire to be uncomfortable, but sometimes the pain that you're actually existing in right now is more painful than that change. And for us, some of the stuff, like I remember, like I used to get anxiety just by doing some of those challenges. Like one of them is we were walking around town. The challenge was half an hour every day with a red nose. And for me at the time, I was just like, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to humiliate myself. And it couldn't even be in the same place. You couldn't say like I did it at home for half an hour. It had to be like on the train, on the bus, at the office, at the food court, at lunch, at dinner. So you had like a different venue with different people. And what was really incredible is I thought people would make fun of me. They would laugh at me and all the thoughts in my head. But in reality, at the end of the week, no one really looked at us. 
And that's when I realized like, shit, like we have so much paranoia about what people think about us. People are also in their head, paranoid about themselves. Like nobody has time for you. And mm. as a result of that, like earlier this year, I launched it as a card game because I was like, wow, like well, people look at me like, oh, you have so much courage. I'm like, I have the courage because I got uncomfortable all the time. And that's why the 30 day fearless challenge is designed around that because it's just like, as long as you're getting a bit uncomfortable, then nothing seems so scary anymore. So if somebody wanted to go into that challenge, I think you've got that on a website. I think I saw that. Yeah. Where would they go for that? I'll also put that into the show notes. They would go to 30dayfearless.com. And awesome. 30 is a number. Yeah. 3030fearless.com. Oh my. Now there's a challenge for you, audience, listeners, and myself. So check it out. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> well, <laughs> now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. I've had many worst investments, but the one that really calls out to me is when I first started working, I had been living in Egypt. So I had moved to Singapore and all of a sudden I had all this money that first of all, it was a lot like, as like not making money to making money is a lot, but also the currency difference. So I just thought I was so rich. I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is it. Like I made it done. And then I went to the bank as naive as I was saying like, hey, like I have all this money. I don't know how to spend it. I guess I should invest some. And the bank teller, which is obviously not your friend, recommended me to buy a mutual trust. Three or four years into that, I ended up realizing that the trust was making money, but I wasn't making money because by the time all the bank fees were being paid, I actually was in loss. And I got so upset because I thought I was being the adult and I was like doing what adults are supposed to do. But the numbers kept on going down and I'm like, I don't want to keep investing a chunk of my change every month. So instead I said, screw investing. Investing is not for me. And also because of my Arab heritage, I thought that like a man should take care of investing, which I'm a little bit embarrassed to say out loud, but that's what I thought. And I kind of just avoided it. And also around that time, like Bitcoin was coming out, which is really random, hmm. but I was traveling in Bali and I went to this event with a bunch of nerdy guys from the internet, is what I call them. And one of the guys said like, I want everyone to spend a hundred dollars to buy Bitcoin. And at the time it was like less than a dollar per Bitcoin. And I was just like, that's so weird. I'm never going to do this. Anyway, fast forward a couple of years ago when Bitcoin like went up to $20,000, I was just like, oh, shit. Because like a hundred bucks I had, like I was spending more money on my mutual funds every month. And it made me realize that I can't not think about investing. I, I need to start thinking about investing. The older I get, there are things I don't want to work forever. So I need to make sure that my money is working for me. And when I started to learn about investing and taking the courses and, and reading the books, I realized that it's a skill that anyone can learn and that my worst investment was actually the opportunity cost of not investing for a decade and thinking like, oh, like when I get married, my partner will manage it. When in reality, my dad passed away at 55. So what if my partner dies before he can take care of it? Like what happens then? So for people who are not investing, who are thinking about it, who are thinking about like, I might lose money in the market, think about how much money you're losing by not investing. 
And even if you're investing in an ETF and getting seven to 8% a year, just do the math. Like go into a compoundcalculator.com or whatever it is, and you're gonna find out that you'll lose so much more money by not doing that. Got it. So tell me, what lessons did you learn from this? The lessons I learned is just as I apply like challenges in my life and overcoming things, I need to also look at skill sets that I avoid doing. I've always told myself that I'm not financial. I don't know numbers. And yeah, I'm, I may not be the best at numbers, but I understand business and I understand that there needs to be customers and there needs to be the costs are low. And if I can understand the mechanics of that and I trust a brand and I want to work with that, it's not that hard. But if you keep on telling yourself that you can't do something, then guess what? You probably can't. <laughs> yeah. If you tell yourself you can't do it, you're going to be proving yourself right. Okay. Let me summarize what I took away from it. I mean, there's a couple of things that made me stand out. I'm going to go back in time to 1998 and my sister had been diagnosed with breast cancer. She had three daughters and Unfortunately, my sister passed away in 1998. And over the years, you know, her daughters grew and, you know, became young women that eventually became successful women. And I decided that the best gift that I could give was to help them to take the knowledge I have of investing and help them to learn how to invest. So I wrote a book called How to Start Building Your Wealth, Investing in the Stock Market. And I worked with them and got them started when they were 18, setting up their investment accounts and then got them started following a very simple, I mean, I basically, unlike your situation, I would say that my nieces have no interest in even learning investing. At least you came to a point where you were like, okay, I'm going to learn this. But I would say, you know, for many people out there, the concept of learning investment is just overwhelming. So eventually I tried to simplify it as simple as I could and get them investing because I know that the key to growing your wealth over time is time in market. How long you can get that money in the market and let it grow. And so basically I you know, can see, now I'm going to add in another takeaway from my experience is that I teach a lot of classes at university over the years and I noticed that women in particular are extremely negative about numbers. So I teach finance. So I teach in a master's in marketing and the majority of the people in the class are women. And I ask, you know, who hates numbers or whatever you ask. And there's just phobia about numbers. And so that's the second thing that I realize that there's a big challenge there. And then of course you raise the third thing, which is there are, you know, generations where it was, you know, the man took care of it. And, you know, that's changed. And so, you know, I look at your experience and I think that there's a lot of young women out there, men and women, that should really be starting to invest right now. And the last thing is that someone may say, oh, yeah, but the stock market's crashing. Come on. This is an opportunity. It's yeah. a sale. It's a massive sale and it's only going to get better. Well, I think the other way is let's just imagine that it actually does get worse and it goes down by 50%. But come on, you're putting in a hundred bucks a month. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's going to be down at that point forever. And, you know, obviously we're not talking about taking, oh, I have a million dollars in cash and should I put it in right now or should I wait? That's a different decision. But for most young people, the concept of getting it started, getting a monthly contribution is the most important thing to building wealth over time. You have any other thoughts about that? Yeah, actually I was 
The biggest thing that I discovered when I was started to learn about this and became an advocate, especially for women, is that there are also so many men who don't know about this, who don't invest. And for me, that was really fascinating because that was, had been like my anchor. I'm like, oh, men know about this because my father knew about this, but my father only knew about investing in real estate. So he invested in real estate because it's an Arab thing to do. You buy property. Now, if you look at like the returns of real estate, you're better off investing actually in the market without the hassle, without the stress, without the mortgage payments. And these are all things that you learn when you start to like read about these things. You're like, oh, it's like, it's there. It, and mm -hmm. right now in the information era, which is probably what you're doing, is you're teaching this stuff. Like people have access to classes that tell you these things only if you overcome that mindset that you can learn about it. And the nicest thing about numbers now that I love is when I go into my portfolio and I see it green, I'm just like, oh, I get numbers now. My portfolio went up 15%. Yes, I like numbers now. Like yeah. you don't have to be great at math to realize the plus 15 is a very nice feeling to have versus zero mm. or inflation costs, which is probably less than that as well. It's a great point. You know, many men don't know how to invest just as much as women don't know how to invest. But it gets even worse because men tend to suffer from overconfidence bias more so than women. In fact, studies have been done that show that women are better managers of money over the long term because of their risk management and probably less overconfidence bias. So the fact is, even if a man, you know, is if you say, oh, I'm going to have a man in my life manage the money, it's also possible that even though he knows what he's doing, he makes mistakes that are behavioral mistakes that can cost huge, you know, along the time. So that's a great, I've never thought about that, but it's a great way to help remind a woman or a man, you know, that, hey, you can't rely on other people. You've got to make sure that you are, you know, in charge of, you may not manage exactly what's happening, but you take responsibility for your financial future. Exactly. All right. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I think the first action is just to commit to learning. And like, it's literally that simple, whether it's you're picking up a book or signing up for a course. I think that commitment to learning, like even though I started learning about this about five years ago, I'm still learning it. So as long as you decide that finance is a big part of life, it also is a big part of reducing anxiety that many people have around security, especially right now with the COVID situation, where many people might lose their jobs, businesses will suffer. If you have that buffer, if you have money working for you, at least as a peace of mind of knowing that at least one aspect of your life is covered. And that comes from starting. So whether it's going up to my worst investment slash deals and sign up for the course, or whether it's picking up a book, it's the action of just starting to think about what needs to get done and committing to that. Commit to learning, ladies and gentlemen. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? So my goal is really around working with helping people get more comfortable with getting uncomfortable. So I just launched my 30-day fearless challenge, and then I'm also doing accompanying diary to go along with it, and also a course to help people become better at telling their stories. Because I find a lot of times people they may know what they want, but they don't know how to communicate it. And they're uncomfortable saying it out loud. So if I can help this year, a thousand people do that, I'm going to be extremely excited. 
because then it's going to be really helping more people do more things and helping themselves and their families and their communities as well. Fantastic. All right, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we end, Yasmin, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result, and I want to congratulate you for being one of the brave ones who has turned your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah, just have fun and learn and put yourself out there and invest. It's amazing. Beautiful. All right. That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.